You're listening to the Plain Label Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams. In this episode, we continue our look at writer-director Martin Scorsese with his films The Age of Innocence and Casino. Joining me once again for this episode and this theme is returning guest, Mr. Ben Teed. Hey, good evening. Before getting into our discussion, I would like to mention that we are still proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. Search Deliberate Noise or Movie Noise or Comic Book Noise in your podcast app for more great shows from the network. Mr. Teed, what are you drinking this evening? Is it a cider-based drink? It is not. It is a school night. On a school night, I'm having a nice, sweet, sugary red uh, from, uh, it's more purpley really, uh, from Tui's Winery, mm. uh, local to me in Roanoke slash Huntington, Indiana. And, um, I'm having specifically their Plonk, which with, with a Q-U-E on the end, Whoa. all fancy like, uh, Plonk, it's a terrible name, but it's, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's a pretty good, just regular old table wine. Um, and it is that I think they like to market it and I hate that they market it this way, but whatever, uh, they market it as their adult Kool-Aid. Wow. So great. So great you know, that wonderful, you know, I just, everything else about the place is, is wonderfully classy, but man, <laughs> do they sometimes, this is the one that they take and put into a slushy form oh, sure. uh, for you to enjoy and stuff like that. But no, there's a, just a single glass tonight. Since wow. it's school night. And you're sure that, uh, you're sure that you're not living with, uh, <laughs> the age of innocence folks with that very upper oh, yeah. crust oh. sort of beverage. Absolutely. Okay. That is the, you saw my theme, I yeah. see. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> so I am having something that is matching our weather. So when this releases, it'll be much different. But when we're recording, it is the winter time. And so I'm having from Kinkader Brewing Company, which is uh, a company in Broken Bow, Nebraska, which is uh, on the other side of Nebraska. So on the western side, the basically in Colorado general area over in that panhandle type area of nebraska but anyway it's their it's their snow beast winter ale and their little description says the blizzard of 1949 ravaged the plains cold sickness and starvation wasn't all these folks had to deal with giant footprints in the snow and the drag marks of his prey left behind a reminder of this icy monster beware of the snow beast so uh this is one of those where it is very sort of baking notes uh, forward, and we like it quite a bit. And my wife and I usually do get it once uh, we're in the mood for more of a stout-based sort of a beer. So that's nice. what we are drinking. Uh, those are the movies we're going to be discussing, and we're going to start in 1993 with Martin Scorsese's The Age of Innocence. I want you to talk to me about May. Are you very much in love with her? As much as a man can be. Do you think there's a limit? In a time of tradition. In a place of privilege. Newland Archer lived his life by the rules of his society. 
I want everybody to know. What? That we're engaged. <laughs> Until he met a woman who lived by her own rules. I think they're all a little angry with me for setting up for myself. I hear she means to get a divorce. She made an awful marriage, but that doesn't make her an outcast. I came to see what you were running away from. All I really want is to feel cared for and safe. Is there someone else? We should remember marriage is marriage and Ellen is still a wife. When can I see you? I can't be your wife, Newland. Is it your idea I should live with you as your mistress? You gave me my first glimpse of a real life. And then you asked me to carry on with a false one. No one can endure that. I'm enduring it. Everybody knows. Have you considered the consequences? What the hell does that mean, sir? From the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel... Shall I come to you? Come to me. Columbia Pictures is proud to present... Daniel Day-Lewis... Michelle Pfeiffer... Winona Ryder. They never knew what it meant to be tempted, but you did. The Age of Innocence. The Martin Scorsese Picture. And the IMDb plot synopsis goes like this. Wealthy lawyer Newland Archer is engaged to sweet socialite Mary Welland in in 1870s New York. On the surface, it's a perfect match. But when May's beautiful cousin, Countess Ellen Olenska, who is estranged from her brutish husband, arrives in town, Newland begins to question the meaning of passion and love as he desperately pursues a relationship with Ellen, even though she has been made a social outcast by Archer's peers. Okay, so, Mr. Teed, were you familiar with the book, The Age of Innocence? No. Okay, me neither. Not at all, <laughs> nor, nor, nor the film. Nor okay, the film. Yes. So when we made our list this time uh-huh. to, for a director, and I was looking overlooking the list and seeing what we were going to be watching, um, I went, Scorsese made a... a a period piece? Yeah, a costume what? drama? What? A costume drama? I had no idea. And then I found out, oh, it's on the Criterion Collection. Oh, my goodness. Well, I got to check this out. You know, and I was super excited to to jump into this one. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because it was like a discovery for me. And and, and just I, – I, I, I remember bits of Gangs in New York, and we'll talk about that one in the future, of course. But – I can't remember exactly seeing a historical costume drama like this one mm. in ever in in the backlog. Usually, when you think of Scorsese, you think a lot of his of his um, uh, gangster uh, flicks and stuff right. like that. Mm-hmm. Anything to do with the mobster stuff, but um, but this one this one uh, eluded me until until we made the list and started yeah. going. So I was yeah. very much looking forward to it. Yeah. So before I get too far, I want to mention what Scorsese on Scorsese says about uh, this piece and this particular part that I uh, marked with my book darts. And if people don't use book darts, they should uh, instead of being savages and bending your books and yeah, don't dog writing yeah, come your on. books. Come on. Use the book darts. <laughs> anyway, it says uh, 
this this part here that I found, it says, with the age of innocence, I wanted to find a way of making something literary. And Americans are coward, are cowed by the tyranny of that word and also filmic. Above all, I wanted I wanted on film to give people the impression that I had when I had finished reading the book to have some of the literary experience along with the visual experience of the picture. So we decided to use voice over narration from the book in which the narrator seems to be standing apart and observing events. So one of the things that is interesting is when you have that narrator that is not a character in the book narrating, those are almost always, I believe, if not always, uh, just passages from the book that they weave in there. So anyway, just wanted to mention that. Um, what did you, this was also a first time watch for me. Yes. Um, yep, same. And so what did you, what did you think of it? Um, I came away, uh, just blown away by the visuals, the technicality, everything is good to look at the structure, all of it holds up. It is a very watchable film for me. I am just not interested at all in the story. Mm. I think, I think what's interesting is I would be interested in reading the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I'm sure there are, uh, uh, well, maybe not. I'm not sure. It, it, it's one of those things that, like, I wonder what's so what was so compelling to the director that that uh, he decided to work on a piece like this because this uh, will they won't they love and stuff like that. It, it, a lot of the a lot of the plot in general um, just wasn't very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it really kind of fell like yeah and like you know <laughs> I was I maybe expecting more, um, especially coming from Scorsese. Um, which I know is, is maybe a little unfair to say, you know, because like, well, what if this was someone else? Would you say the same thing if it was someone else's picture or something like that? Well, but, but, you know, going in knowing it's, it's a full on like Scorsese picture, I I immediately think that it's going to be a certain way, you know, at least with, um, the retelling of, of, um, uh, one of the biggest books of all time, uh, showing Jesus going through all of these trials and stuff like that there is this i don't know there, there's some, there's a little bit more compulsion in the story to me whereas here while i i absolutely like everything literally everything was top notch like the you know the performances and every, and the look and the design and just the costumes everything about it was felt right it felt good i just i just could not i could not just get couldn't be bothered yeah. yeah i just well or just like okay, like you want to, you want to, you want to spend the rest of your life with this woman that you love and this man that you love, and okay, I understand, and I understand how sticky the situation is, but I just I'm like okay, um, just do it then. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> I, and I know it's I know it's not that simple, and obviously the story you know moves in that way, but it, it feels so subtle. It feels so understated, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I guess I just expected more uh, to feel it more to to you know. Uh, you go in for a massage, right? And you, you want to, you know, and some people want to feel like the, the non subtle, you know, they want, they want to, to, to feel the, the motion and stuff like that. And this just wasn't, it just wasn't, it didn't, it didn't, it barely registered in terms of story for me. Interesting. So I know so, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so here's how I started with this film. I put, uh, my first note was, uh, the, this opening is flat as fuck. Yeah. Um, be, because I, I don't do, I'm just not super interested in the opera of it. And 
I get that it's historically accurate and we meet Michelle Pfeiffer and we see Daniel Day-Lewis doing his very twee and very sort of prim and proper sort of stuff. I love when he does that. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I got to a certain point and it was maybe, it was maybe like 45 minutes to an hour into it. And I was like, you know what? I don't know that I'm in the right state for this. So I turned it off, which is not mm. something that I typically do. And so a few days later and actually two ish days ago, I started it from the beginning, uh, and watched it, you know, and, and, Felt like I was in a sort of better spot while I was watching it and loved it. Wow. <laughs> and so okay, we're going to nice. be, and so we've got the Dukes up because I loved this one. And what's strange about it is I don't think that you're wrong in anything that you're saying. And I think that this is above all else, very much a, um, like a mood piece. Like if you're, if you're wanting something that is, more um oh like you know Just like like our next like our next film where, <laughs> where yeah, there's drug exactly. crazed and bats beating people we, over the head and vices and heads and stuff then that's not this of, yeah we just got off of these two these these other two films that were extremely like high high intense you know like uh plot driven all the you know everything about it you know is is moving whereas this one you're totally right it does feel like a mood piece and you know what i am willing to admit that maybe it just was me sitting down and just not being very interested in feeling that one night but just more looking at it as well i i gotta i gotta watch this new film now that i have the time to to sit down and do it might Mm -hmm. as well you know and so maybe just coming away from it just went yeah everything was good can't really find anything wrong with it maybe source material question mark Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because i i enjoyed it i think i think I think anyone can sit down and enjoy this film, you know, and a lot of people are probably thinking, Oh, this is crazy. This thing is a, is a work of genius, if not his best film, you know, and, and I'm sure, I'm sure there are, you know, fans of that. I just, in, in, it's just unfortunate that I watched it in the order in which we're watching it, uh, in terms of we're watching it chronologically with the rest of Marty's work that I think that this becomes, dare i say it it becomes lesser just like lost in the shuffle yeah and and like the and i think back to the highs i think back to the to the the peaks of 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 what we've seen in the timeline so far and like yeah yeah it really doesn't register in comparison to like king of comedy for me because that one is so and like the more intense for me uh for Marty, you know is for marty the more enjoyable i think i find it whereas Mm. the subtle the subtlety which i'm also a fan of I guess I just thought I was going to get something different mm-hmm. and maybe my expect, maybe that's my fault for my expectations, but coming out the other end of this, just kind of, you know, kind of, went, Oh, okay. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't think that there's a, there's a fault, so to speak. I just think it's like, um, just sort of being prepared for what it's going to give you and what it's not going to give you. And I think that that's also what is going on in the story, right? Is because you, you have this, uh, Daniel Day Lewis, who is kind of, he, he's just, he's just always so Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> he's just like so very in control, but you kind of watch him and you're like, I don't know if I trust you. Like, I feel like maybe he's, you're up to something. And so then once he fairly early on decides that he's going to send roses to Ellen's, 
um, to Ellen's house. And she's this, uh, you know, nearly divorced, but definitely, um, socially outcast character who he should not be treating the way that he does. Like he should be shunning her whether, rather than comforting her. And everyone's starting to get the idea that maybe he's got eyes for her. And, and I think that, um, one of the surprising things is I think that Winona Ryder is so, uh, she's playing like the, the version of like a Kardashian, like this time, oh, yeah. this time's version of very simple and maybe not real bright, but very she's innocent. Popular. She's innocent. Uh-huh. She, she totally is not a prote- or an antagonist. No. She's, she is not stirring conflict. That's one of the things I kind of liked about her role in this mm-hmm. is that she isn't starting anything. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think is interesting once we get, uh, I mean, obviously we're going to spoil the hell out of this, but once we get to the trail bits to where she's just kind of not making any choices whatsoever in, in the whole movie. And she just kind of goes along with whatever everyone says. And I guess, you know, she doesn't want to get married earlier and that's kind of the choice that she's, that she's making. But they they get married and and she basically gives him the um you know, go if, you, ahead. if you want to leave then leave right and i mean i can i can understand her point too of like well if you're going to be wasting both of our time mm-hmm. but that maybe that's just because of the generational thing i don't know i just feel like that's that feels very modern yeah her her feeling of like well you know because i'm sure back in that time when the book, you know, I don't know when, when the book was written, but I'm assuming the time that they were writing about, I'm assuming at some point, like, you know, oh, well, I can't believe he's interested in another woman. What will people think? Mm-hmm. Like the idea that other, and that is a, still a fairly common thought process these days too about this type of stuff. But I don't know. I guess maybe, maybe it just felt, felt, yeah, I, I to me, I just wasn't convinced. Um, not that it wasn't good, but that that I I wasn't convinced that I should care, mm, sure. uh, especially since they were they were they seemingly were in uh, control the entire time of all of their own destinies here. Mm-hmm. You know, it never I never felt the pain that they felt this agonizing pain that they needed each other and stuff like that. You know, it just was it just if if it's in the book and in the original thing, it just didn't come across here. Really? Okay, so so there here's the, there's the one point that i saw uh that differently i guess is because is when they have things where um michelle pfeiffer's well ellen is about to go to europe and uh daniel day lewis says uh well i'd rather see her dead than doing that and i'm like whoa what the fuck and it's it's little lines like that where he's not like acting to the rafters he's not he's not drinking someone's milkshake you know like he's not (laughs) doing that um but for me, it's when it's the moments that really get me are when they, they both are falling for each other. They both realize that this is a thing that cannot happen. And it's the moment where they finally start to give in somewhat like they have maybe two to three different scenes where they're kissing. Right. And that's as far as things go for their relationships. And it's a big, Everyone assumes that they're sleeping together, but they're not. And so they're kissing and it's not like the way that it's choreographed. And this is a strange thing for me to think of when it comes to Scorsese, but it's like 
it's not they're they're not like making out in a like a sexy kind of way it's like they're wanting it more than they're actually doing it is what i felt like when i was watching them so they're restraining themselves like they're sort of like they're they're so they've like pumped up this moment so much in their minds to where now that it's here they like can't quite like do it right is what it seems like like they're just sort of like gasping at the air and stuff like that they're like that they're not even really like going at it real heavy or something you know what i mean like it was just desperate and sort of uncontrolled to me and i was like look at this i was like this is when their sort of desperation boils over like they're just desperate to be doing this as opposed to the other person you know they're just they're they're breaking away from what they're supposed to be doing and that's most of the enjoyment let alone you know not it's not necessarily each other it's it's the idea of it and maybe I misread it as like something I'm like, oh come, come on, you guys! Like if you if you guys really want this, you know, and 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 I'm probably, you know, not seeing that layer there. Mm. So I, I I'm like I'm willing to admit. I mean, there's a there's a ton of people out there that love this movie, and and even some <laughs> that even consider it the it's his best. Mm. I'm not trying to be a dissenting voice. I'm just saying personally, coming away from it at least the first time. Um, cause I, I'll, I definitely watch it again. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'd feel great about, you know, introducing this to somebody else. I just, I just feel in the grand scheme of all of his films, it's, it's, it just doesn't stand out. Um, it's of course gorgeous. Like Bauhaus or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, is a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, everything there is to look at is great to look at. All the people are gorgeous. You know, of course, Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer is amazing and, and, everything she does and i just i just i don't know i i i gave into every astonishment except for the except for the story and so i maybe i should like jump away from that for a while i don't know maybe i will come back or I don't well know. and where, then where, where, do you, where do you want to go yeah some of the other <laughs> things that i thought were interesting here was um i i really liked that i don't i don't know i guess so here's one of the techniques i guess that they do uh, that I think is interesting from Scorsese is when they are writing letters to each other. Oftentimes it is the characters looking and speaking to the camera. And I thought that that was really interesting. Uh, so instead of the sort of traditional, like Michelle Pfeiffer has a pen and she's scrawling and then it's a, her voiceover and yada, yada, yada. It's her standing and looking at the camera and talking to the camera as if it, as if it is Daniel Day Lewis's character. And so I kind of liked mm-hmm. that. Uh, I wonder if you noticed the, uh, not really cameo, but the really very small part for Jonathan Price when he pops up. Yes, I did. I saw him in there. <clears throat> and I was like, Jonathan oh, Price, dapper as hell. So. Yeah, I was like, he yeah. is looking real dapper. I was like, that was interesting uh, to just kind of see him from, you know, Terry Gilliam never did him any favors. He always looked like trash whenever he was in one of those movies, I felt like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One of the the so one of the sort of subtle things that I really enjoyed is uh, again back to Winona Ryder's character and she, uh, you know they they finally get married and she has this moment where she says that she has to go to D.C. and she just sort of underplays the moment and has this little like sort of slip of a smile and I was like fucking a is she good in this <laughs> I was like she is so underrated in terms of what she can do because she either is known as being you know heather or what have you 
or uh, she was known in this sort of era by in 94 she was nominated for this film uh, for best actress in a supporting role and then the following year she was nominated for best actress in a leading role for Little Women and again oh, really? another oh, wow. and another costume drama and so I feel like you you know her from uh, you know from Heather's or from Beetlejuice or yeah, that's where I know her from. Yeah, or, or, uh, or Edward Scissorhands. Yep, Edward Scissorhands. Or then now Stranger Things. Like my kid, if she oh, were to watch right. this, oh my gosh, yeah. If she were to watch this, she's like, "Whoa, look, it's Joyce when she was really young. Look at that." I keep, I keep forgetting that she's on that show, but yeah, she's yeah. a big part of that show. Oh, absolutely. Um, the other one I remember and I really liked seeing because uh, he totally de- deserves being in costume pieces like this is Richard E. Grant. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, totally thought he was going to be an antagonist like fighting for the love of someone else and he was going to be a dick i don't know there was something about yeah because he keeps looking at archer while he's talking to olenska and he keeps sort of just like hanging around the edges of the movie and i'm like oh he's gonna i i I just kept thinking archer and olenska are gonna get together grant's gonna figure it out he's gonna tell winona Ryder's character and then it's all going to be like a costume drama mess. And if he hadn't have been in like almost every movie recently, uh, <laughs> you would have um, spotted him. Well, <laughs> and, and 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 I think he won an Academy Award recently. Like I don't know if I would have spotted him. But... Well, and what's funny is in this movie he looks like James Woods, who's in the oh, next movie. Oh, really? I guess. Should and I'm like, because yeah. I looked Gosh. and I was like, wait a minute, is that Richard Grant or is that James Woods? And I was like, oh, oh no, 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 it's Richard. Oh, poor Grant. Richard Grant. Anyways, yeah. yeah, yeah, really. I don't. I wouldn't want to be <laughs> compared to James Woods, but that's, that's so the way shit. that he looks. Um, so I don't know. So I think that there are. I mean, obviously, the things that are the most impressive are, you know, the the costuming and the cinematography and the staging of the whole thing, and the, it's quite an achievement. But I think that if you were to watch this again, I think it's. I think it's really subtle and I think it's surprisingly subtle and I think that uh I think it's really good. I like I would say easily it's in my top five of oh, Scorsese nice. right now. So awesome. we haven't um, revisited okay. some of you know, some of his later stuff, so as of right I now would, that's what I'd say. I would love to revisit it. I'm going to push it back until after I complete uh something else we should at least mention. Um I've been working on um uh, Martin Scorsese's A Personal Journey uh-huh. through American movies. Yes. And I'm through part one. Um, it's a three disc set that, uh, it's a very long documentary. <laughs> and he makes it very clear, hopefully by the title, that it is his personal journey and his beliefs on movies. It is his religion. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly, he doesn't say it. It's just, you just know. He just, the way he talks about it, the way he looks at the camera, and is pretty much, it's it, it would be as if you were taking a class with, with oh, uh, yeah. Professor Marty. And and he takes you through uh, 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 the Western, he takes you through the musical, and he takes you through uh, uh, the uh, the gangster flick mm-hmm. and it kind of kind of does a little background on him and his personal beliefs and what he finds spiritual in these scenes and spiritual is my term that i'm using but it, you can it's just he i think one of the, it's it's been one of the best things i've seen so far on on this journey through 
uh, our personal journey uh, through Scorsese cinema. Mm-hmm. I just feel like um, this is kind of a Rosetta Stone for me. Interesting. Uh, getting getting to see him uh, 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 embellish and and wax poetic about these these scenes that he grew up with or scenes that he saw in college or something like that it, mm-hmm. it re- reminds me of us first of all mm-hmm. uh just just film lovers in general but you get to see how he moves those pieces those those classic cinema pieces into his work and now his stuff is obviously considered classic cinema to, to this generation right um but uh, what's kind of interesting, though, is like it made me appreciate uh, a lesser film to me. To me, a lesser film, New York, New York, because oh, right. of his his talk on um, on uh, on the American musical with a lot of Vincente Minnelli. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, is it Vincent or Vincente? I think it's Vincent. It's just spelled with an e on the end. Yeah. Anyways, uh, good old Midwestern boy uh, talking about. Uh, <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm saying in general. Uh, uh, I bet by the end of his quote unquote class through his mm-hmm. favorite films and mm-hmm. his journey, I will be able to see what he sees in the age of innocence and maybe love it a little bit more. Maybe, um, maybe. Well, it's, I, it's, and I think that, I, I think that the best thing that I did was I knew that I wasn't feeling it. <clears throat> and so I was like, I, I know I, I can understand that I'm not vibing this movie. And so I need to just turn it off. I think I recognize that in myself, but didn't just kind of force myself maybe. or may- No, actually, I remember breaking it up into two nights. It was mm. the first time – I think it was the first time throughout this whole run of films that I've ever broken up one of our films mm-hmm. or w- one of the Marty films uh, into into two sessions. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it got too late or the movie was just too mellow for me to like get through, mm-hmm. you know, especially since it's got – like it, I have to watch these films at the end of my day. And, and I, a lot of times it's like either I, I force myself to push myself through watching these as a tired person or they just don't get watched. And that's just, that's (laughs) not your, that's just not your, that's not our, uh, line of movies that we're watching. That's everything. Oh, for sure. Every television show, everything, at least for a few years, it'll be this way. Well, and I mean, Um, not only is it child-based, but it is 2020 still. You know, there's a yeah, lot going yeah. on oh, that is emotionally so draining. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I love I love all this stuff. I love watching mm-hmm. movies, obviously, and stuff like that. So it it's something that I just I make the time for. It mm-hmm. it's it's almost like a, a recharge. Not enough people uh, do the thing that they find very relaxing, and maybe I find that myself a little bit more passive mm-hmm. watching, um, you know, Age of Innocence or or really whatever. But um, it's not very therapeutic, like in the way like someone would paint or, you know, because my wife does watercolor or, you know, anyone else, uh, uh, you know, it, it's almost like I need to get at least a film in a week at mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's I don't feel spiritually renewed. I don't feel like I've exercised. I feel like I haven't done the thing I'm supposed to be doing. I haven't, I haven't eaten my vegetables, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the compulsion of that. And And I think I think part of that. Uh, is reflective of that personal journey. Um, I just like how he breaks it down, and I like I like how he sees his. He clearly has given a ton of thought to. I mean, I, I suppose he would, right? Uh, to his <laughs> personal beliefs about what he feels is good cinema, and and finds value even in in stuff that you know I don't think I would have given two looks at. You know, sure, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. 
That's interesting. Well, the the last thing that I wanted to mention before we move on to our second film is uh, I, I kind of I came away from this saying or thinking that uh, Edith Wharton is perhaps claiming that it's better to be ignorant and naive like May than to be sort of fully realized like Newland or Ellen, because May we see has a happy life like. She tells Newland, like, if you're going, then go, but you're not coming back, basically. And he decides to stay. And they have a happy life. Like, it's, it's fine for them. They have these kids and, and Newland, you know, has a good relationship with his son. And then his son eventually says, you know, I, I think I know where Ellen is. And I think that everyone is well aware that she was the love that you had, but wasn't able to have. And so he sets up a meeting and he goes there and Newland's got the kind of like old man sort of nervous energy, the nervous sort of old man romantic energy. And he goes there and I'm at this point gripped because I love the movie, like you said, and I'm expecting this sort of like look or this sort of uh, like a shake of the hand or like another kissing of the hand, like the way that she was introduced. So I'm like, Oh, okay. They're going to completely boomerang this. And she doesn't come to the window and she doesn't see him. And he just kind of walks off. And I was like, Oh my God. Like It, it just I'm... like holds back from giving you the sort of romantic comedy type of an ending that you think you want. I was very happy with that ending. Yeah. I, I was I was satisfied by by that. When a movie gives you too much like that, it, mm. it often kind of makes me feel no, no, no. Like, yeah, this don't is manipulate too, me. Yeah. Too storybook. Mm-hmm. Too like, you know, yeah. And and it felt good to have. It felt good to have that at least. Yeah. Well, and I'm just I'm just trying to stay on brand for liking the down endings. You know. Liking the liking the ones that uh... oh yeah yeah that is, that is you I'm seriously I mean yeah. you you to me when I think of the film Blue Valentine you are oh, the yeah. person I think of Ooh, I fucking and, love and, that movie yeah and it mm-hmm. is it is I remember coming out of it just being like can they do that because <laughs> yeah. I was I was so young in my in well because you're you my, come out of there battered you come out of there like holy shit like well what yeah but also I I'm 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 not I I mean I, this was either in college or around college after leaving college and just feeling like, okay, I have the rules of cinema in my mm-hmm. head. I know exactly how to make a movie. And then coming out of it, they just don't, they just don't. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I, what, what, how, how, how did they, how did they get away with, how is this okay? Yeah, how dare you, know, you break And then just rules. being like, man, I never had a movie make me feel that way. And just, and ever since then, you know, um, of course my wife hated it or my girlfriend at the time, Samantha, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> Well, and then the, I guess the last thing that I'll say about the movie is, uh, my favorite, my favorite line from this very famous book is, uh, everything is labeled, everyone is not. And I was like, ooh, I like that because that sort of just gives you a clue as to not everyone is going to be easy to figure out and their motivations aren't always clear. And, and that's in the first maybe 15 to 20 minutes of the movie. And it pretty much sets up the entire relationship and and the whole sort of main thrust of the film. So, moving on from that first film, Mr. Teed. Two years <laughs> later, Martin Scorsese made a much different film. Uh, it is maybe possibly a throwback to the films that he is more well known for making. It is uh, in 1995, and it is called Casino. Casino. 
I was a hell of a handicapper, I can tell you that. I had it down so good that I ran paradise on earth. I had one of the biggest casinos in Las Vegas to run for Tangiers. You know, if I did it, I'd have to run it my way. Nobody's gonna interfere with you running the casino, I guarantee you. Vicky, you're a guy. Make a lot of money for us. So keep a good eye on it. All right. Look at this place. It's made of money. What do you think about me moving out here? I just gotta tell you, it's no joke out here. You gotta keep a low profile. Right off the bat, they don't like guys like us. Oh, yeah! Oh. You like your money a lot, yes, don't you? Yes, a lot. Yeah. Well, how about that? Yeah. Oh, I want to settle down. I want a family. You got the wrong girl. You'll be set up for the rest of your life. You don't know me. What do you know me to three months? They had it all. They ran the show. And it was paradise while it lasted. They find a guy's head in the desert. That's no good. We got a problem. He doesn't listen to me. Maybe he should get lost for a while. Take a vacation. Can't make it any clearer, Sam. I would just get out. I tried to do everything for you, even though I knew deep down inside you would bury me. I buried you. You buried yourself. I have to be able to trust you with my life. Can I trust you? Can I trust you? I will go to the FBI. I will go to the police. I am not protecting you anymore. You want me to get out of my own town? You only exist out here because of me. He's a loose cannon. No! Stop it! You realize what you can do? You can get us all killed! You want to get rid of me? Here I am. Go ahead, get rid of me. The IMDb plot synopsis for this one goes like this sam uh sam quote ace rothstein a mob connected casino operator in las vegas attempts a civilized lifestyle with his money conditional with his money conditional wife ginger nikki santoro a boyhood friend of ace and now a made man of the mafia arrives in town with an ambitious agenda of his own that soon disrupts ace's life and that one was really tough for me to read. So, <laughs> Mr. Teed, had you seen Casino before? I have never seen Casino before. Wow. I was, I was aware of it. I okay, was aware yeah, of yeah, it. Yeah. But I'd never never watched it. All right. Uh, no no real history other than like, oh yeah, that's that movie by that one guy with those one guys in it that he always likes to use. <laughs> you know. So it was it was another like, ooh, I get another I get another um uh, Goodfellas, or I get another mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. Taxi Driver or something like that. I hear great things about this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, should I should I just jump in? Well, sure. my, you, my history real say, quick. Yeah, go for it. Is uh, <laughs> I had seen this before. I saw this actually before I saw uh, Goodfellas, and I just knew that it was the really long uh, double uh, taped vhs that we had like the double oh, nice. the double vhs the damn thing so long. yeah with with, uh, with like. <laughs> Braveheart and Titanic and all of the other very long movies of the time. I love that stuff. I love that it's two tapes. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. You're like, well, shit, this one's not Rowan. So just remember, 
where you're at. I got to rewind this real quick. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and so, uh, so I'd seen it, but I hadn't really seen it. You know, like I, I watched it, but I was just kind of like, oh yeah, they're, they're on drugs and they're fighting a lot. But that was kind of, that was really kind of it. So I will, I'll say that this is my first sort of real viewing of it. Even though scenes of it, I remembered and, and, uh, definitely shots I remembered. But, uh, but yeah, so that's my very brief, also, uh, very brief history with the film. So what did you think of this one, Mr. Teed? I hate sounding like a broken record again. Uh, but this is another one that while it, while it is beautiful and while it was, you know, fun at times, mm-hmm. it, at times, uh, this is one of those lesser for me that, you know, uh, just felt like a watered down version of, of Goodfellas. Ben, are you it okay today? Like, What's yeah, going on? What's oh, going I'm on? Totally ben? fine. I gotta <laughs> tell you. I gotta tell you. Um, it is very weird to be saying this, but yeah. Um, I will say in, in all, in all parts, in, in every bit of this, it, with the exception of the look and the design of the film, mm-hmm. And the pacing and all that, the structure's there. Like, it's a very sound look and, and, and feel. But in terms of story and, and even in some ways, some of the acting, the writing is the, the biggest offender. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's one more big offender, and I'll get to that. Mm-hmm. One, one just cardinal sin that they break. Uh, that I just can't stand. It makes me so mad. Take off all the stars for this, for, for doing this thing. I'll get to that soon. But really the writing, the writing, once again, it just, it just feels like a, a nastier, mm. uh, less funny, uh, actually not funny at all. Mm-hmm. Serious as a heart attack. Um, uh, Goodfellas mm-hmm. where, um, the structure of it is, uh, meandering and doesn't give respect to, uh, certain characters, especially um, Ginger, played mm. by Sharon Stone, mm-hmm. um, we'll get into all this. But yeah, my 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 initial thoughts coming away from that film was kind of like, man, come on, like <laughs> like this was yeah. So I I I just did not, I didn't, I wasn't astounded by it like I thought I would be, um, and. And yeah, I just give me Goodfellas again. I'll just watch that movie again because <laughs> I I love the world it builds. I uh-huh. love, and they had this opportunity here to build the inner workings of this, of this casino. And, and, and they did, they did build the world, but it just wasn't very compelling to me. Mm. So how about you? Did you, Uh, I'm I'm actually have no clue what you think about this. (laughs) I don't have, I don't have any instance. Uh, so I, I watched this one over two different, uh, sittings. Okay. And I thought it was fine. Like I just, I kind of, I mean, I think the very obvious comparison is Goodfellas, right? Because it's, it's so similar in some ways from the cast, from the sort of subject matter, from the sort of style and the, uh, the musical accompaniment and all that. Like there's a lot of Goodfellas here. And I kind of watch the movie and I think, what is there to learn from this film? Because Am I surprised to know that gangsters were around in Las Vegas and that the casinos are crooked? And I mean, no. Do I feel like I needed to see this picture to understand anything about Ace's character or about um, Nikki's character? I mean, I just I felt like as soon as they were on the screen, I knew exactly who they were. Archetypes. Yeah, yeah. they become. Uh, uh, you tell me Ray Liotta's character, 
uh, and how dynamic he is and the changes he goes through, not just through his age and through over time and well, how yeah, he's yeah, played yeah, by yeah. different actors, but like, show me a dynamic character in Goodfellas. Now show me a dynamic character in Casino. Exactly. Like it just, it just doesn't, it's not the same thing. Yeah, like, that's exactly meet, what I was going to bring up. We meet Sam or Ace or whatever mm-hmm. and he, he's already top of his game, super, uh, skilled at spotting things. The even even um um him uh falling in love with Ginger mm-hmm. and him him having one kryptonite his one weakness is is Ginger and oh you know fall in love yeah. with her. I just it's just they, like they tell even, me that but is it actually true because I don't it, ever see that none of it's very interesting when it is when when they do have this like they it's more like I remember them bickering more than 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 not at least with um oh shoot. Um, with, uh, um, with his wife in, um, in Goodfellas In Goodfellas. Yeah. I forget her name already. I'm so sorry, uh, to her cause she's a brilliant in it. Um, oh, hang on. It, it's, uh, 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 Lorraine Bracco's character, Karen, Karen. Uh, yeah, her, her, she plays a wife of Henry Hill and there is, uh, this like, you get to see these scenes where she is given, she's even given, um, not narration, but like voiceover. Right, where she's Almost learning like, the world, right? Like this, yeah, and the structure, well, not even just that, but like her structure, she lets you inside of what she's thinking. Mm-hmm. Almost, and we, we kind of talked about it almost as if she's, She's uh, relaying this as like she's testifying almost. Mm. Oh yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. we're not given that. She even ha- uh, Sharon Stone even has like a line and a way to go, and like even uh, uh, falls in love question mark with uh, Pesci's character. Hey, uh, yes. And 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 but like but like what does she think? Like I I realize you know you can have this um this great De Niro voiceover, blah, blah, blah. But I'm saying at the same time, like we don't get, we don't get the, uh, the, the very sorely needed, uh, uh, insight into Sharon. If you're going right. to take us through that story, uh, you know, you could do, and if you're going to car, you know, almost carbon copy, you know, in some ways, the, the same structure, same skeleton there of Goodfellas, it would be really nice to kind of maybe get into her head a little bit more mm-hmm. because it, it just it just made her seem like such a she was tortured she was irresponsible she was but Marty you you're one of the best that that shows tortured people these souls that go through this and and that want penance and stuff like that why you know show us that stuff I mean it's it's interesting that she that she's not given enough here. Yeah, um, because she does she does get that uh, she does get some voiceover. So you would think, oh, okay, here's when, here's where we're really going to understand her. And she gets the the previously mentioned uh, James Woods character that the attempt is to sort of flesh her out by sort of showing that she can't shake this guy, this Lester Diamond, who it's is like a pimp or something. He's right? he's basically like a pimp, and he's um. He, I mean, he plays a very vital role considering that James Woods is in the movie for probably like five minutes total. Yeah. Like he's yeah. not in the movie very much, but he's, he's a sort of a main thing for her. But I think that we're pretty much on the same page here because I think, I thought that she was great. Like I thought that Sharon Stone was great in what she was yeah. doing. Oh, yes. But she throws I, those chips all over the place. Oh, it smiles ex- and walks yeah, away. That's the Brilliant. exact scene that I remembered. Yeah. 
was was her there. And so I think that she is giving it all that she's got, but I don't know that the movie sort of backs up what she's doing. Because I think that she is better in performance than the movie is like the movie doesn't deserve how good she is. It's kind of the way that I, that I, that I view it. Like she's, uh, she's trying to elevate it the best that she can, but it really is like, Hey, what if we did good fellas, but we remove all of the emotion and the heart from the beginning. And we just start when they're on top. There was humor there too. And I'm like, well, who gives a shit about when they're just on top? Because we know that they're going to fall and we, we've seen good fellas and we, we know that second and third act. I know what happens. So why do we like? Why are we going to spend three plus hours all, doing that? It's like um, it's like a not earning a scare in a horror film by just doing jump scares. You got to build that that fear. When you watch a Val Luton film or you watch Hitchcock, they're they're so good at building suspense. They're so good at drawing that out because it makes that that fall that that action that much sweeter, that much more. You know, if you're just starting from an from an era of on top, you know, it makes that fall a little bit less well, it's like so flat. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah, there's nowhere to go. Yeah. And right. and so my favorite parts of this was when they are explaining here's how here's the guy watching this guy and this guy watches that guy and then there's the eye in the sky and then there's somebody watching this and here's where the guy is skimming this money and like how the casino there would be more to that. Yeah, that, like it, how the casino actually worked. I thought that was really interesting. Like the guys getting caught and how they're, how they handle the people that get caught. That was really interesting. They spent so much time building that, that system and building that world so that we could visualize it Mm -hmm. and showing all these counters and stuff Mm -hmm. and, uh, and talking about, uh, you know, the union and, and the, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I just, it ended up kind of amounting really to nothing to me. Um, it, that stuff, doesn't make an impact when it seems like it was the whole reason for Goodfellas. Yeah. Um, can I also talk about the can I, can I really quickly uh, go over one of the worst decisions in the oh, film yeah. like, ever? It probably probably breaks like the worst rule ever. I mean, yes, we talked about some narrative problems and stuff, but whoever decided to hire Don Rickles for this film, <laughs> like what, what was the what was the point? You didn't like what, Don Rickles. No, it's not. I freaking love Don Rickles. I love but just not Don Rickles. But what is he doing in here? You hired Don Rickles. It's Mr. It's Potato like, Head. It's like, it's well, yeah, but I mean, I'm saying he's so good at like you know smashing, smashing. Uh, 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 he he would have been good as a, a little bit of muscle or something like that, or at least a, a little bit of comedy. Um, especially because he insult, he's such a good insult comic. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do anything. He just a fo- he just follows orders. He just does stuff. He doesn't wisecrack like you should. He doesn't like this film is so humorless mm. in terms of like of like the, it became kind of a chore to kind mm-hmm. of get through mm-hmm. only because mm-hmm. of how intense it got and didn't like relieve any of that pressure. Like you said, it was flat. It, it just stayed at the same height the whole time and really didn't move. And then you got Don Rickles running around. I'm like, he's right there. This guy is a is a wonderful talent. So many good stories from this guy. He could he probably on set was super funny, like you know calling everybody jackass or something like that, or oh you know you know he is so good at even improv in in certain ways. Like just mm-hmm. watching him over the years, and I've learned a lot about you know his stuff. I mean besides I mean 
Yes, I'm from the era that probably recognized him as as um, Mr. Potato at first. Mm-hmm. But knowing a lot about his comedy and stuff, and having him be almost like a right hand man to uh, to to De Niro, it's such a like a such a sin to not have him say or do anything that is uh, uh, snappy or 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 uh, funny or anything like that. I, I just it's like having hiring a. a uh, Samuel Jackson to play your to play your librarian or something like he's just mm. going to be this calm, quiet person the whole time. Samuel Jackson's perfect when he's yelling and he's intense and he's mad and so like that's why you hire him. Like you don't. It's just like so it was I like can't stunt be- casting gone wrong for you. Yeah, I can't. Mm. I can't believe that they just went. Oh, I know. We'll get Don Rickles and like I'm sitting there with my fork and knife out, ready to eat up whatever he's about to serve. <laughs> Because he's about to roast somebody, and it never happens. And he just goes, what do you need? Okay, I'll get it. I'll get it for you, Robert De Niro. And he, like, goes off and does it. And I was like, what? Like, are you serious? Anyways, talking very passionate about it. But I just I, – I can't believe I sat through that whole film and was like, wait. And you got nothing you, from you him. You could totally forget that Don Ruckles was in this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just crazy to me. So my Anyways. guess I – didn't, I didn't guess that it was going to be the Billy Sherbert character. Uh, that was the one that bothered you. But yeah. my my guess was going to be either the sort of bait and switch that they do at the beginning of the film, or the uh, the Joe Pesci performance, which is the one that I want to talk about. So the bait and switch is obviously the movie opens and you see Robert De Niro's character getting blown up in a car. I love I love watching that fake that fake dummy in there blow up. I just love it so right. much. And you're like, like holy it, shit! Like, like okay, switch. you know. That that's that was fun. like a, a thing where I was like, all right, this film has my attention. We know where this is going. Yeah, like- <laughs> right. And so one of the things in the book, it says uh, in the very first script, we started with the scene of them fighting on the lawn. Then we realized that it's too detailed and didn't create enough dramatic satisfaction at the end of the picture. So Nick Pelleggi and I figured we would start with the car exploding and him going up into the air. You see him in slow motion flying over the flames like a soul about to take a dive into hell. Which I did not get. I did not get that from that. I I thought, okay, this dude's dying. And now we're going to see what led him to die. Right? And so that's kind of the structure that we're on. That's sort of the the way that we're going and then it comes to that moment again and you see that he gets out of there and he's burned but he gets out of there and then he continues on and i was like wait a minute that feels like that feels like a dirty trick to me that's like saying oh look at this magic trick and then turning the lights off (laughs) like that's not that's not a magic trick like you're changing the rules on me it would like, make more sense, yeah, if they established that earlier that this is the world that we live in where, you know, because that him getting out and surviving an explosion like that is like and and once again we'll we'll return to this world here in a future episode, but like Wolf of Wall Street ridiculous. Mm. Like like they establish early on how crazy this world is and how and how like people can kind of survive a little bit more than probably a real human could probably take. (laughs) And so like the fact that he's walking away or rather crawling away from this explosion Mm -hmm. is so. Well, that's funny that you mentioned that because I mean, they're both based on real things and based on real people, but you heighten it just enough. Right. Because you got to build that mythology. That's kind of what, that's what he does. That's what everyone here, everyone here is really good at building that. It's just strange to me that, 
it comes out this way. Yeah. So, um, so some of the, the stuff, like I said, that I was enjoying was that beginning was the way that him and Sharon Stone's, uh, ginger character got together. And, and the fact that she's this strong woman who is like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I want to these guys and taking their money. And I don't feel bad about that at all. And then they get together and then she disappears for like an hour of the film. And I was like, wait a minute, where the hell did Sharon Stone go? Like after they're first married and she's gone for quite a while. And then when she's introduced, it's, oh, it's Lorraine Bracco. It's, it's the, the third act of Goodfellas to where she's on cocaine and she's drinking too much. And it's going to be this just De Niro and a, and a, and an actress screaming at each other. Is what we're yeah. going to do. And I, I mean, like, okay. but, but at least at least when it was Lorraine Bracco, I just enjoyed it so much more because we were given a set of rules and a and a and a and a, and a dynamic uh, character that actually like did, they did something with her, whereas, right? And you wanted whereas, her to do well, right? Like you hoped yeah. for for Karen. Like by the time Ginger starts like tying up her daughter, you don't give a shit about Ginger. Because you're like, what yeah. are you doing? You know, she's yeah. going to Joe Pesci. She's leaving her daughter tied up. She's on all these drugs. You're like, what the fuck? So this That's is not the character point. that I feel bad for even, now. Even someone like, uh, even someone like, uh, um, uh, uh, Ray Liotta's character, mm-hmm. I wanted, like, like, or, or even like Tony Soprano, like, even though they're doing bad things, um, uh, uh, breaking bad guy, whatever his name is. Walter, Walter um, like you're White, watching yeah. these characters go go through uh, their, you know, evil, like growing to be these evil people. But at the end of the day, like it, you you still have to have some semblance of you wanting them to win. It can't just be just because he's Robert De Niro. I want him to win. Mm-hmm. Can it? I mean, I mean, maybe the movie makes you think so because you watch this and you're and it, it almost struck me as like. Robert De Niro goes to Scorsese and is like, no, 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 no. I mean, Goodfellas is fine, but I want to be the main guy. So could, could I – we're at this really good juncture here where I can like kind of give some insight into maybe what Marty's thinking here. Mm. Because in that um, – in the in the, uh, in the personal journey – yeah, the personal journey he, where he breaks down – uh, these three genres that he likes to talk about. I don't know if he's going to talk about more that obviously I've only watched the first part, but he starts breaking down the, uh, the gangster film or the mobster film or whatever. And he uses the example of Scarface, uh, whoever that actor was, sorry, the, the original, original Howard Hawks Scarface, um, where, uh, he is very fascinated and loves the idea of this guy, who in the middle of getting fired upon in the middle of a bar and he's like ducking down behind, you know, a, a waist high, you know, uh, cover. It, he's just kind of like wild eyes, you know, crazy facial expression. And he's just like, kind of like, okay. Like kind of in his element, you know, this idea of like, ha, ah, like, like almost like a, a, a love the smell of napalm in the morning type of deal, you know, where like he feels like we just for something about us Americans, we just love to see these people be bad or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was fascinating to hear him say these words and use examples from real movies that he loves because it's totally true. Like like there is this fascination with with being able to watch uh, uh, these characters uh, just 
uh, in the midst of almost getting blown up in a car or whatever, just kind of like enjoy it and, and like kind of feel like, yeah, they were meant to be doing this. But it's just so much more, I mean, even for this Howard Hawks film, which I haven't seen, you know, you still have to, you still have to build that foundation. You can't just, you can't just start from there, you know, like, otherwise what, like, where's, where's the, where's the, you know, I was going to say, like the the dynamic. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, this is one of those where it just, there's a lot that it's like, there's a lot going on, but I didn't really care. That there was a lot um, did, going you, on. did you at any point in the film like I did? Uh, it's fine if you didn't. I just I just was wondering. Um, just like they're they're um, they spend the entire like Goodfellas. How does Joe Pesci die? He walks in, thinks he's about yeah, to be a made man, the- and then he goes, "Ah, oh, son of," a, and then he gets shot in the back of the head, and it's very quick. And they just and then they just watch him bleed out, and they you know whatever. Here in Casino. They like kill his brother. They watch Joe Pesci like crying uh-huh. as they like put him all almost dying, uh, almost dead in a grave, and they just start to bury him. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the entire scene, what it would that could have been like maybe ten minutes, ten minute long scene, and it's just agonizing the whole uh-huh. thing. It's uh-huh. just agonizing to watch. It's it the that is the metaphor for the entire film. It's like watching you uh, uh, just just one by one cut off fingers almost it's mm-hmm. it's it's so painful well like the just, the head and the vice and all that stuff yeah all of that stuff it's just like none of this is very enjoyable whereas you could maybe do something like that in uh uh with uh uh there is an element to how serious they get in with like the character spider in in Goodfellas or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm not saying that uh-huh. that scene's funny or or that they need to have like a ray of sunshine or whatever but they need to like make their point with how dangerous these characters are and then like, you know, maybe relieve the pressure somehow. And it just doesn't let up. Well, and I yeah, just, they do. I feel like the film suffers for that. Right. Yeah. They do release tension in Goodfellas when you have the, the ad libbed moment of the, what am I a clown? Do I amuse you? All that stuff. Yeah. Right? That. And, um, even, even showing more of the world, like, Oh, he was in prison. He cut, he cut, uh, uh, his garlic with oh, the razor with blade, the razor blade so, it, yep. so it would melt, you know, and stuff like that. Like all that stuff is brilliant, funny. Like not like I'm like stitch in stitches laughing over it. I'm just saying there's something about it that is it's kind of cute how they they it's their own little world and their own little belief system and mm-hmm. they, you know there's little tiny details like that that are just missing. They're just plain missing. And like there's like maybe two or three scenes of. Pesci coming over to De Niro's house just to argue with him, mm-hmm. just just to be mad. Like nothing's learned from the scene other than I'm pissed at you. Oh well, yeah, well I'm pissed at you. I told you you shouldn't come up, come out here to whatever. And it's like yeah, so I'm just not interested in your guys's like thing, like 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 your guys's squabble is so small in comparison to the the larger conflict of the larger world, right? Right. That so that leads me to the other thing that I wanted to talk about, and it's Joe Pesci in this movie. Oh yes, please. And I just didn't think he was good at all. So, and I was I was shocked at how good I thought he was not. And maybe it's because he's doing a, a slightly different accent or a little bit of character work where he doesn't open his mouth fully, like he doesn't. Uh, he's he's obviously trying not to be this. You know, he's not the same character as he was in Goodfellas. But he is, 
playing this in a, in a, in a way where he's got a little bit of like, uh, talking out of the side of his mouth kind of a thing that he's doing. And I just didn't like it at all. Like he felt like he was just sleepwalking to me in this movie. Like there was moments where he had to be really loud and obnoxious and whatever. And I get that, but I just thought he was not very good. And what's interesting about this is this is the one of the four times that he's worked with. Martin Scorsese, this is the only one of his four performances that was not nominated for an Academy Award. He was and nominated. It might have been so close to after having won for almost the exact same role. Right, really. yeah. Like he wins in Goodfellas for supporting. He was nominated in Raging Bull and he was nominated in uh, The Irishman uh, last year. And so this is just such a lesser character and such a lesser performance than that. It's watching him to where I was like, well, in Goodfellas, you watch him and you're like, Oh, okay. I get it. He's, he's the sort of a uh, guy that's got the little man syndrome and they can't really kind of keep him under control. And he's a fuck up. And they're just kind of like, he's a wild man that they try to keep reins on. Well here he's the, he's the guy in charge and you're like, okay, well he doesn't have any sort of, rising up really because he does that right away like he does he gets to vegas and he's like oh i'm just in charge of this stuff now and then he's just in charge all of a sudden and then you see him sort of deteriorate somewhat but i don't know i just i thought his character was bad i didn't like his performance in this i just thought it the whole thing wasn't right it felt lesser but it, it i don't i didn't necessarily hold pesci responsible mm but I, cause I feel like I didn't really notice a diff, I didn't notice a difference in his characters other than like how he's written, mm-hmm. meaning, meaning he was given more in, interesting stuff to do in, in the pre- previous film. But it really does like, you don't have this performance without, well, and then what is that? You know, what, you don't have this performance without Goodfellas is what I was about to say. Mm-hmm. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like, okay. But at the same time, you know, this performance, it just standalone for me. Even with the close the close proximity of the prior film, really kind of doesn't do much in terms of moving. You know, I've just seen it before. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and oh, good. Oh, I was just gonna say, you see this movie and you're like, okay, well, I I can't think of a single line that he says that I am going to remember. Like, there's nothing quotable from me from this film, and that's one of the things where Goodfellas has so many lines that you can quote. Right? Like starting with, you know, the, the opening narration or the getting your fucking shine box and all of that kind of stuff. Like there's so many lines from Goodfellas and then you come to Casino and I can think of a few images, but it's just them, you know, they're just saying fuck a lot and they're just fighting over money. And I'm like, okay, well, and I don't give it's a usually, shit about any of these people. So what am I supposed to be caring about? Yeah. When I think of, when I think of Casino, I think of how painful it is. You watch a car explode. You watch them break this guy's arms with hammers. You know, mm-hmm. you watch uh, a, a guy, a guy's head in a vice. You got, you watch these guys who are bleeding to death from a gunshot getting buried alive. Like so much of this is violent and painful mm. and they try to sell it off as if it's like uh, the, the second coming of Goodfellas or something like that. It just isn't, it just cannot compare to that no. world. No. It can't compare to the feeling that that world gives you. There's something about the first time that they went through that world and made that it, it, it just, it's not, it's just not the same. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's, it's for the reasons that we, we've, we've talked about uh, with it starting at the top, you know, it's, it is more, 
it's more and also putting Pesci as a leader role, like leader as in like you know I want to run these things or something like that. It's it, it, he's so much more the talk or the muscle. Mm-hmm. You know, he's so much more that type of of going and doing something and being the one to kind of be. And he's also, um, I think, smarter in the last film. Mm-hmm. Written, written a little bit smarter. Whereas here, he's just kind of this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he's a little tethered in this one, uh, to the point where you know he's not this mad dog, you know, presence that. It, you, you're feel you're fearful of what he's gonna do. He's gonna shoot, you know, spider or something like that in that in the last film. Whereas in this one, you know, he does maybe feel a little bit more tethered, a little bit more strained. Like he he can keep his composure to to you know to to keep up appearances. Whereas you know, gosh, he could be in any room at any time and pull out a gun or, or do whatever mm-hmm. use a pen use a pen like you did on the one guy it, it yeah, was crazy right that was interesting but otherwise i'm like okay i just i don't care about what he's doing <sighs> so <laughs> no i just i i i now that i've kind of explored it with you i just kind of it, it like i thought this one was okay mm-hmm. but now i think i don't i like it even less now because it just doesn't feel even close to to i i just i want to talk to people that are really really big fans of it like a passionate casino person yeah that way i can be like what did you see or what do do you get out of this am i am i like i obviously i'm not reading it wrong because it's my it's my opinion it's our opinion we're allowed to have whatever i just don't know i don't know if they what they get out of it or maybe they're thinking oh well it's just it's just more of the goodness you get from goodfellas and to which i could i could argue again yeah well i could argue i disagree and we've stated our reasons why but (laughs) i'd really like to hear uh, someone who who actually thought that this was uh, uh, well, you know, well constructed. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't. Uh, you won't find me saying that, Mister Teed. No, same so here. I'm and, looking and at I'm looking right. at my uh, letterboxed and where I have these films currently. It looks like to me that I have the Age of Innocence as the fourth highest. Uh, behind okay. Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, and Raging Bull, which is probably not too much of a surprise uh, that that's where those are ranked. But it is... I, I did put it at four and a half, which is the same that I ranked uh, Goodfellas, Raging Bull, and uh, Taxi Driver is the only one I put as a five-star film. So I do have it basically tied for second or tied, you know, or in fourth, however you want to say it. And then if you look at yeah. my casino, it is <laughs> – so the bottom was obviously Boxcar Bertha, right, with his, him not doing really a movie for him. And then I put uh, Last Temptation of Christ as my second-to-last film, and then there's Casino. So and so I have by saying last, I, I, should, I should also clarify that I did give it three stars out of five, <laughs> but, the, but that's how much I did not enjoy it compared to the rest. Both of these are in the middle for me. Okay. Like a three to three and a half kind of range. Uh, so sorry, real quick. It's, it's being slow. Come on, letterbox. Wake up. Three and a half. I can see it on casino. Oh yeah. Okay. So three and a half for casino. And what did I put for Age of Innocence? Also three and a half, mm-hmm. which is weird because I don't necessarily look at these as equals. Like like one, I would be willing to watch again, and I think Casino it'll be a long time before I jump back on. You yeah. know, because I, I I mean I I was given 
and the thing is, like my top right now, I think I still, I still kind of put Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, and After Hours, kind of, and Goodfellas all at the very top. Mm-hmm. Like it's easily like, like you need to watch these films. People need to watch these films, um, and that's for what we've watched so far. But then there's like ones that I'm like, yeah, these are these are good. You should check them out. Italian American. Um, which is not part of our grouping, but like it's it's one of those that like I I still there's That's more with side his parents films. right yeah okay. where he just kind of films them talking and, and being funny but um like it's still kind of crazy that Alice doesn't live here anymore is still like hovering around the top <laughs> yeah I, it's I, hanging I think in there for, for what it is and and like what like in comparison to a lot of uh, Scorsese cinema it I. Man, I really, really dug that film, and I think it it, it works, like, yeah, rather well. And 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 it's hard for me to really like like you listen back to that episode and stuff like that. I'm sure I do find some blemishes there, but once you get past that, to me, like Raging Bull, Temptation of Christ, Cape Fear, all of them are flawed in some ways. A- Age of Innocence, to me, uh-huh. they all have some sort of like glaring thing that kind of sets them apart. There is a clear break at Alice, um, because from there on up, it's just like it's all like almost like essential cinema in some ways. You mm. got you just got to see this, you know. Got to. So this this the the really I know I'm I'm probably maybe crazy at this point because we're at the what are we like just over the midway point or yeah we're past halfway for, mm-hmm. um with with Taxi Driver and Goodfellas being at the very top, but having seen those already. Maybe I'm holding King of Comedy and After Hours higher right now because they were just new discoveries to me mm, too. And just be. having really enjoyed them. So it could know. be. Well, it'll be interesting in our next film uh discussion because I have yet to see either one of them. And uh what is that? We got Kundun. Kundun and uh the Nicolas Cage film, Bringing Out uh, the Dead. Bringing out Bringing Out the Dead. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that'll wow, be. Wow, we're there already, man. Yeah, because then after that, we're in the 2000s. That's, that's crazy. See? You think about him going on forever and ever, but, you know, he's got all those, uh, if you look at his IMDb, you're like, wow, 67 films. Well, you have so many shorts and so many music videos and some, like, documentaries and all this other stuff in there that and I, and it's And I've been not watching really some many. of those documentaries, like Rolling Thunder Review from last year. I, I caught that one. I did like The Last Waltz. Mm-hmm. Um, some of his early stuff's okay. It's not just you, Murray. Um, who's that knocking at my door? I was I was looking for some of these. Made in Milan. That's an interesting one about um, about uh, uh, oh what's the the um, Armani suits? It talks about the guy that makes the Armani suits and stuff like that, and 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 like his design structure and stuff like that. Huh. Uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, like, or even, uh, even bad, like, like, I liked watching, right, like, the yeah. making of that and all that, that was, in- you know, at least interesting, so, all these side stuff, I like watching them as we're going, and to kind of, like, watch that progression or evolution, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. with that, you see, uh, much like, uh, you know, Tarantino or Wes Anderson or somebody, you see the same players come in and, and go at the same time, like, oh, I happen to be working with this person at the time. And they jumped on to me with the next job, you know, type of thing. So I'm going to start taking offense to the fact that you keep bringing up Wes Anderson in the same <laughs> breath as Tarantino and Scorsese. Well, who else, who else uh, uses the same 
uh, uh, pl- uh, Mike group of Flanagan, the famed horror director. Sure, sure. Uses okay, his. that's a good one. Yeah, um, come on. Gosh, yeah, Flanagan. maybe I should say that Wes one Anderson. instead. Forgot which room I was in. For Crying out, yeah, read the room, Ben. Come on. <laughs> So anyway, is there anything else about uh, Casino that you wanted to mention? This is actually, I should mention, this is the end of my book. Uh, the Scorsese oh, right. on Scorsese ended mm. with uh, ended with Casino. Now so, you're making me want to uh, continue reading so we don't miss out on some important stuff. Yeah, there could be some information. I mean, the, him choosing to do Kundun and then uh, bringing out the dead might be interesting. So my book goes from Casino, Kundun, Bringing Out the Dead, My Voyage to Italy... And then Gangs of New York. And then it talks about new projects, which I believe one of the new projects was talking about The Irishman. Which, oh, which is Which is crazy because this book was what, like... Probably early 2000s. Like early 2000s. So it's been it's been talked about for a while. Yeah. yeah 2003 is when this... When this uh, uh, revised version came out oh well they would have yeah they should have known that he was working on the aviator by then he would have thought yeah they they, they do mention that they do mention that he is talking about the aviator and and even mentions leo dicaprio in it but i want to say i want to say i saw a little a little bit talking about irishman so i think that's that's kind of fun yeah Uh, it's it's a little bit like uh the age of innocence then when it was brought like it was brought to him in the very early 80s and yeah, almost was, a decade would yeah. go by before they get to get to do it. I think that's cool. Yeah. So, so yeah. All right. Oh, man, what a great journey so far. A yeah, great so what a great journey. journey. Ben's, uh, you know, send Ben some well wishes. Cheer him up. Yeah. Make yeah. sure he's uh, feeling right because he didn't oh, love these movies today. The wonderful salve to those two movies has been a personal journey. I've actually really liked it so far, even though I'm a third of the way through. Well, there you go. All right, well, wrapping us up, if you have any comments, suggestions, or movies or directors that you think we should talk about, you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. You can also just mention us over at Twitter. The handle is at plainlabelpod. You can also follow me over there. I'm at ericwilliams79. We also have an Instagram account. Just search for plainlabelpodcast, and you'll find us over there. If you wanted to help out the show a little bit, or if you are someone that I gave coverage to and you said, ah, are you sure I can't pay him? I said, no, just check out our show notes. You can check out our show notes over at, uh, on the, well, you can check out our show notes and you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list and you can get us something that is over there. And I promise they're not all super expensive things. If you go over there, Ben, you can find such wonderful things that you would maybe find from Casino where there are little, uh, you know, whiskey tumblers and what have you. <laughs> you know, you could give me something like that if you wanted to. So I do want to thank Mr. Teed for coming on once again. If people wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you, where could they do that? You can follow me on Twitter and on Letterboxd at Ben Teed. Ooh, I like it. Got to mention that letterbox. Yes, please. Got to. So thank you for listening, and you can join us next week when, once again, we discuss the films Kundun and Bringing Out the Dead. <laughs>